On today's episode of GIST Healthcare Daily, we revisit my conversation with David Gerard, Executive Chairman of Strategic Healthcare Communications Consulting Firm Gerard Inc. He joined me in February to talk about the results of his company's recent National Consumer Survey on Public Perception of Hospitals and Healthcare in the United States. It's Monday, April 3rd. I'm Jay Carlisle Larson, and this is Just Healthcare Daily. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. The current reputations of hospitals are vulnerable, according to a new survey. That vulnerability is due to a number of factors, including the state of the economy, attacks by critics of the hospital industry, and recent media coverage. And that trickles down to how some consumers ultimately seek care. I'm Jay Carlisle Larson, and this is Just Healthcare Daily. In its fifth national consumer survey, strategic healthcare communications consulting firm Gerard Inc. wanted to assess how the public currently perceives hospitals, notably as we move into a post-pandemic era. On today's episode, we listen to my conversation with David Gerard, executive chairman of Gerard Inc., which is part of Chartis, about some of the takeaways from that survey and what hospital systems should do moving forward. When I asked David about the decision to look at public perception of hospitals right now, he said while consumers have always trusted the people that provide care, that trust is not necessarily translating to system-wide trust. We had known, um, and it's still certainly true today, that people who provide care are trusted, are the most trusted. When you ask the, you know, the population, who do you trust? Yeah, they, they trust the military, they trust uh, people in organized religion often, um, but the most trusted people again and again, school teachers, then on top of school teachers, it's nurses and doctors. And it can go back and forth for nurses and doctors. In a sense, if you wear a white coat and providing care, then you are trusted. So our question was, does that trust translate to hospitals and health systems, basically the organizing structure that employs nurses and physicians? And what we begin to find is there's, there's actually a gap. So if historically hospitals thought, well, we're trusted because the people who work here are trusted, is less true than it once was, that there is a, there's a growing divide between the actual provisioners of care, those people who touch patients, and the organizations that provide it. We think our hospitals and health systems are caught up in this larger erosion of trust among all institutions. And that division interests us because it feeds into the political strength or lack of strength 
of our organization is to get things done, right? And, and get things done could be to grow their market share or to win this zoning or th this insurance argument or this kind of regulation, this kind of reimbursement. It all translates into that port of power. And so how we understand that power and how people can leverage it's important to us. So according to the survey, how vulnerable then are the reputations of hospitals? Uh, it's a great question. Um, and, and what we find is um, there is significant vulnerability and in, in increasing uh, trend toward greater vulnerability, which is an awkward way of answering that question. But what, we've, what we find uh, in a positive way, we find there's a significant opportunity for healthcare providers and organizations to address this in ways that, that reflect how people are thinking about it. But we find the exposure that they have is not insignificant. It's surprising to us because during the pandemic, everyone was a healthcare hero, and, and rightfully so. And what we haven't seen on the other side is that translated into the kind of trust that we could turn into some action. Instead, we find that this, um, this drumbeat of exposure, everything from surprise billing to how do you handle you know, the billing issues with your patients to a lack of transparency on charges and pricing and are you really earning your tax exempt status? There's, there's this cumulative effect that is um, costing our hospitals and health systems trust, and costing, as they lose that trust, they're losing their political advantage. The survey found that more than half of respondents felt that hospitals were putting profits above patients. What should that signal to healthcare providers? Oh, wow. It certainly reflects on the, the, the walkaway experience people are having with their health care providers in their hospitals and in health system. I think that's one signal. The other signal is money matters a lot to people right now. And again, not just health care because we're not we don't live in a bottle bubble. There's an atmosphere here where it matters, matters to everyone about everything, but especially here. Right? I mean, we, we even found as part of our survey that, that a third of the respondents say they've delayed care because they're concerned about the cost of care. I mean, how we talk about money or don't talk about money or hide money or use confusing language, talk about money, sort of erodes trust and makes people fearful of engaging with us. These are bad signals. These are challenging signals for us. Hospital margins have been razor thin due to a number of factors like increased labor costs and slow volume return. However, this survey found that public perception of hospitals is that they're actually doing pretty well financially. How might this public perception impact hospitals? Well, well I mean, tactically, it can impact hospitals and health systems when they're in, a, in an insurance entanglement. Right. Or, and there's a rate fight or there's a there's just, they're in, you know, public negotiations about whether the, this this kind of reimbursement or, or that can hospitals effectively argue that they need more, that they deserve more, that every dollar they spend is being threaded back into the community as a not for profit into services and, and care. There's a disconnect right in what people are experiencing and what people are feeling in that really important message on the insurance side, on the reimbursement side. I mean, imagine the conversations that are happening in the state house, and in D.C. on reimbursement and funding and where the money should go and how much money is deserved and required, and are you really earning that tax-exempt status? I mean, it goes from being, wow, we'd like you to feel better about our organization so you feel comfortable going to our clinic, to, I mean, you're, you're fundamentally reshaping how we can deliver a care because you're, of what you're willing to pay for. 
that disconnect, that inability to translate how we have to get our money so we can use our money to provide care to the political discussions of our time is a real weak spot for our um, for our community providers that we have to address. Sticking with the example of, you know, ongoing reimbursement fights between providers and payers, uh, like you just mentioned, these sort of fights trickle out into the public through the media. How has media coverage of hospitals actually impacted the way that the public perceives them? Um, it has... Um... It has eroded the public perceptions of, uh, of their trust in hospitals and health systems, which is interesting uh, to us because uh, some of the coverage is pretty explanatory, actually, about the challenges hospitals face and the nursing shortage and the doc shortage. And it, it doesn't take a long line of consideration to go back to you know, where hospitals are today. But my sense is the, the coverage is secondary to the experience. And the, the experience people have is it's as unbelievably expensive for what I get in return. The experience itself is so not an Amazon experience or a customer-centered um, experience. And those buildings are big, right? Um, and they are, they are nice. And so what I'm experiencing is different than sometimes what I'm reading. And the story that it tells me is not a good one. You mentioned some factors that influence how the public views hospitals, for example, price transparency or charity care. How significant are those particular issues and factors playing a role right now? Yeah, it really matters. I think I think there we have a we have a population that's highly attuned to these issues. And I I think the the recession or the economic conditions that we're in, followed by the pandemic, has made our country ever more sensitive right, to how these issues are addressed and who should be addressing them. And further, I think because the provision of care is so frontline, I mean, it's literally where healthcare like touches another human, um, that hospitals and health systems are the living example of an entire system. So if I don't like healthcare in general, then, then my hospital, that local brand gets the blame because it represents an entire broken system. And we, we carry that burden even as we carry that mission. And so there's a, there's a high cost, but a high level of exposure. Then, frankly, others, insurance companies and other they don't carry, right, because they're far away and they're big brands and they're distance, right? And they're not there when people are born and, and people die and filling up that ER. And there's the realness to that experience that is defining. And so with the, the brands carry that, and the, we see that, I think, reflected in these, some of these passionate survey results. In conducting this study, what responses or results surprised you the most? I was surprised to find that a full third of people said they've delayed their, their decision to go seek health care because they're concerned about the cost of care. Maybe in, on reflection, it shouldn't have been given the state of the economy and, and other matters. That's a big number, and that's going to be an expensive number. Because if you delay care, the care that you ultimately get is only going to be more expensive, and it's going to be more expensive to treat you. So everyone loses in that calculation. It was surprised me that that number was significant. One thing that I was encouraged to see that I didn't necessarily expect is that while the numbers nationally for the industry categorically are fairly negative, not good at providing equitable care, not, not a good value for the dollar, putting profits over patients, when we talked about local health systems or your local hospital, the numbers were better or more encouraging. Uh, I equate it to, to your schools. You know, 
education's broken, the school system's terrible, but you know, my school or these teachers, they're okay. It's not true every kind, but there's, there's a local familiarity that is better than when people think about us categorically. Now, the danger for that is people make laws and reimbursement decisions categorically, right? So our work as an industry is to translate this local goodwill that we still have and leverage that into what's happening at the national level. Keeping that leverage in mind, what should healthcare leaders take away from the results of this survey? And what should they be doing differently right now? As an industry, we can no longer be fragmented in how we talk about um, money in the delivery of healthcare, what it takes to be reimbursed for the care that we deliver. And right now, most of our language reflects all the weird Rube Goldberg systems that we have to swim in to get paid for the care that we deliver. All right, so we, we speak the language of, the, of reimbursement. What people experience is it's just too darn expensive. And when it is expensive, I'm not sure it's good value. We need to, we need to agree upon and adopt that language and use that language in how we talk about our industry. Because as, as long as we're indecipherable, we're literally incomprehensible, will appear to be hiding something, will appear to be disingenuous, and that works, well, that works against us, obviously. That's thing one. Uh, thing two is um, nothing is more powerful now than personal interactions, personal relationships. You know, as uh, we've been thinking a lot recently about um, AI and chatbots and the way language, word salads can just be thrown out into the internet all the time at anything on any, any subjects. And so digital communications and a lot of the ways that we talk about things and sometimes have to talk about things is both exploding and I think will only drive these questions of trust or lack of trust in how communications occur. Nothing is more trusted than personal interaction. And, and so um, because hospitals and health systems are there in person, take advantage, right, of that personal interaction. I don't mean personal interaction in the exam room, but I mean you were in the communities, we're in the grocery stores, we're in the churches, we're in the civic clubs, we're in these places where we can represent who we are and what we're doing in ways that don't necessarily directly relate to, you know, a reimbursement fight that we're having somewhere or, a, you know, a staffing issue that we're having, but is the bedrock, I think, of what we once were and what we what we can be. There's there's strength to leverage and, and, uh, and activate there. But there's some work we have to do to get to it. That was David Girard, executive chairman of strategic healthcare communications consulting firm Girard, Inc. He joined me to talk about a recent survey his organization published that examines the current public perception of hospitals. You can find that survey at girardinc.com. This is Just Healthcare Daily. I'm Jake Carlisle Larson. Thank you so much for listening. If you like the show, please leave us a rating or a review. It helps other listeners find the program. We'll be back with healthcare business and policy news updates tomorrow, as always, in 10 minutes or less. You can check out more insights on healthcare business and policy news at gisthealthcare.com. You can also get these insights emailed directly to your inbox when you subscribe to our newsletter, The Weekly Gist. The Gist Healthcare Daily Podcast is an independent production of Gist Healthcare, a Kaufman Hall company. Hold up. 
Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years. Years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at bowlandbranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50% to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.